Well, this morning, Ephesians 4, verse 30 to 32, and this is just being able to forgive freely. Now, again, we looked at the first three chapters, and they talked to us over and over and over again how salvation is a free gift of God, how it's not of works, it's not of ourselves. That God isn't passing us the baton and saying, okay, I, I made you righteous, now it's up to you uh, whether you live righteously or not. No, that we can't. We're, we're without power. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that in chapter 5 and what that means. But we also just need the grace. We, we begin salvation by having faith in God and in his grace. What's that mean? that he'll always be loving and patient and kind and merciful and forgiving, bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, that his love for us will never end. That's what we enter into that covenant. (laughs) Pretty sweet covenant, huh? And that's how we take our first step, our 10th step, our 20th step. As we are getting ready to stand before the pearly gates, (laughs) And the father says, why do you think you should be able to enter heaven? We're going to say grace. We are saved by having faith in God's grace. It's not of ourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Can you keep believing God loves you no matter what? Even when you're ugly and struggling and sinful and unlovely. You, you parents here, you fathers here, Father's Day, you know how you can love your children no matter how ugly they can be at times, right? It's not that giant of a step to say God can love us, his children. And of course, God's love is beyond a love that we can even imagine. God's patience is greater than any human patience have ever been. God's mercy, God taps into a soul of love and kindness and mercy that we will never get until we're out of this body in heaven with him. And it says, we saw it in Ephesians 2, we're going to spend eternity learning about his grace. And about a billion years in, we're going to go, hey, I think I'm getting this grace stuff. Really? And, and we're just going to keep touching the very basics of it. In all of eternity, we're going to learn of his great kindness towards us. It tells us in Ephesians 2. And so, and we get into chapter 4 here, and in 5 and 6, he's going to command us. But the commandments of God are not erasing whatever weakness or sin or struggle we may go through, it's not erasing our salvation. It's so important that we get that. We, we are to walk in complete 100% confidence and never waver that we are saved by God's gift, by his power, by his love, by his mercy, by his death on the cross, by paying for our sins and by his resurrection. It's 100% him. Do we get that? I, I, I think... You know, I was raised in an Arminius-style church, and it was 10% God and 90% me. And every once in a while, we'd have a special speaker, and I'd realize, oh, it's 20% God and 80% me. But I was in hell. 
I, I remember a guy saying, go and tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, why? I'm in hell. I lose my salvation by 8 o'clock every Monday morning because I'm struggling with sin. And, uh, you know, I, and it, it's just, it was just a turmoil, it, you know. But then I came to learn, no, it's a gift of God, 100% him. I'm going to be in heaven, not because I deserve it. Now, can you tell him? I'll call him later. So, um, so 100% we're going to be in heaven by what God did, not by ourselves, not of ourselves, not what we've done, will do in the future, not because of what we might be or going to be in the future. It's just by his grace, mercy, and love, and kindness. So it's not us in our flesh trying to be obedient to God and perfect in our flesh what God began in the Spirit. No, that's a lie. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we will make any spiritual gains while in this flesh that we do. So we come now to verse 30, and, and he's, he's been talking about so many areas of our struggle with our sin from lying and, and from stealing and etc. We need to put off that old man, be renewed in the mind, and then put on the new man. He now says in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve the Holy Spirit. Just simply don't make him sad. The Holy Spirit's in the world. He's everywhere. He's God. There's only one God. And our God is in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's in the entire world. But uniquely, when we believe in him, then his Holy Spirit can actually enter us. Just like the Holy Spirit entered the temple. Remember, the priests had to run out because the Shekinah glory was filling the presence and they couldn't be there. Well, we can be there. As a matter of fact, we, don't, we can't only go in the temple. We are the temple. And God's Holy Spirit lives in us. So not only can the Holy Spirit be grieved with what's happening in the world, but more importantly, the Holy Spirit can be grieved in our own soul, our own spirit. And, and we can sense that, ah, even though we're in flesh and even though it's weak and even though we struggle, we don't have to give in to that. We don't have to say that. We don't have to think that. We don't have to be that way. We don't have to walk in that lust or anger or bitterness. This, by the way, just as a quick note, is one of the proof texts to show that the Holy Spirit is not just an essence. Some people try to say, oh, there's one God, God the Father and his Son, and then the Holy Spirit's like a vapor or electrical force. Well, you, you can't grieve the wind. You can't grieve air. You can't grieve just an essence. Only persons can be grieved, right? So this is, again, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, is this referring to the past verses of 25 to 29 we've been covering? Or is this talking about the future, what he's getting ready, we're ready to cover today? Is he saying ahead of time, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, and then he's going to talk about issue? Or is he referring to the past issues? Or is he referring to all of it? We don't know. But either way, when we sin, it does make the Holy Spirit sad. And so he, in essence, is saying, don't do it. Kick, bite, claw, fight against your sinful flesh and the devil. And do your best not to surrender to the flesh. 
James 1.14 says, Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by what? His own desires and enticed. In 1 Timothy 4, 8, and 9, it says bodily exercise profits a little, and it does. But godliness, godly exercise profits for all things, having promise of this life and the one to come. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. And so there's that daily routine of, of crawling out of bed on your knees and saying, God, this is the day you've made. I want to rejoice and be glad in it. And, and kicking and scratching and biting to read a few verses and say, Lord, speak it into my life and meditate on it now all day. And just go about praying without ceasing, living in the spirit. And if you'll strengthen the spirit, the flesh won't have its way, the Bible tells us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, to dis I discipline my body to bring it into subjection. In Galatians 5, he says, I crucify my flesh with its passions and desires. In Romans 13, 14, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't be around it. Don't be near it. Don't let it be within your reach, your grasp. In James 1.12, blessed are oh how happy is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you know there's many crowns that God wants to give and it's rewards in heaven, which I don't know what those rewards are, but the Bible says we want to have them. And each time we are in that vacuum or our flesh is being pulled, whatever it is into, whether it's anger or greed or lust or bitterness, we know all of them. There's many, the list is long. That we fill our body just going in the way it's naturally bent to do, which is sin. We, we see the world applauding us. <laughs> Often demons are dispatched to pull you along. And when we're in that vacuum where everything is leading us to sin and not succeeding in a life in the spirit and we fight against that you know I think of Joseph that virgin <laughs> the guy with the coat of many colors remember he went down to Egypt and here his master Potiphar is gone and his beautiful gal is saying come on and just lie with me and he had never had sex before this beautiful woman wants him and pulling him into bed. And, you know, it's just everything is perfectly lined up. All he's got to do is just lean a little bit and just let the first domino fall. And boom, 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 boom. He can have this passionate sexual gratification. But what does he do? He, he, he has to let go of his coat and he runs he doesn't make any provision for the flesh. He stays out of the house. He stays away. He runs from it. Man, that, that just amazes me. And I think of David when all his men were gone and, and there was only women left in the city of David, part of Jerusalem. And he being up above, he can see all the ladies bathing. He's got his own little pornography set up. And he sees this most excellently beautiful lady. 
how beautiful would it have been for him to take off running? <laughs> but yet we, we learned that he grieved the spirit. His spirit was grieved. He said, I laid on the bed and I, I, on my couch and I made it a river. <laughs> my bones, they were like wax in my body melting away. How grieved he was. We've been there, haven't we? We know that. I, I'll tell you what. The opposite of being grieved is just, oh, how happy is the man. To be at peace with your own conscience. To be at peace with your own soul. To have no skeletons in the closet. <laughs> to have no fear of what might come out and embarrass you, humiliate you, cause damage to your relationships because people had you up here and if they find out, they're going to put me down here and the fallout of that. And there's that constant, if it's not in the forefront of your mind, in the back of your conscience of what happens if this comes out. Oh, I don't want to go, I don't even want to think about it. I just want to think about, oh, the peace and the joy of having clean hands and a pure heart. And you're able just to ascend to the hill of the Lord. Isn't that just the where we want to be? Isn't that just what we want to focus on? And when that vacuum's happening and the flesh is being pulled, whether it's to be bitter again or angry again or greedy again or lustful, whatever it is, when that thing's going, you're just like, Clean hands appear hard. I just want to go to the hill of the Lord. Oh, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to rejoice the Holy Spirit who lives within me. And I'm just there enjoying the light and all of the fungus starts burning away. There's where we want to be. But notice he doesn't say, now don't grieve the Holy Spirit, period. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, comma. And then he enforces a very important principle. The same Holy Spirit who has sealed you for the day of redemption. We've been learning about this sealing of the Holy Spirit. We saw that the Spirit has sealed us for the day of redemption. It's redeemed us, bought us out of bondage from the powers of darkness. Jesus paid the full price of our redemption on the cross. And now his Spirit living in us is a sealing of that work. It's, it's his claim upon us showing his ownership. I had a guy yesterday tell me he, he, he couldn't believe it. He, he that he's been looking to buy a Toyota Tacoma and, you know, prices of used cars right now are nuts. And the guy had put a price up and he, he drove right to the guy. He just called him and drove right there. And, 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 and the guy said, yeah, I'll sell it for this and this amount. And uh, he says, well, do I need to give you a down payment? And he said, no, no, your word's good enough and my word. And I, I got to get a couple little things done before I can give it to you. So let's, let's meet up next, whatever the day was, next Thursday, and we'll finish the trend. Well, during that time, he got offers of more than $5,000 more than what he had agreed to, to buy. And the guy, interesting enough, with integrity said, you know what? A handshake's a handshake in my world. 
and um, I'm going to sell it to you for the price we agreed on, even though I could get a lot more. And I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing that such a thing still happens. Well, God's Holy Spirit is the down payment. This is holding us for the day of redemption. You guys old enough to know the layaway plan? Remember that? Used to have that at Walmart. It costs $20. I don't have $20. But can I put down $2 and come every Friday and give you two more dollars till I... And they they have it setting up on the shelf often. And people, oh, there's... I've been looking for that. Sorry. It's it's layaway. This is what we're talking about. It's It's a done deal. The price has already been paid. The death of the payment has already been made. It's, you, it's God's. We are God's. We are 100% His. It's simply waiting for the perfect timing of the rapture of the church or when we die to go to be with Him that He claims His ownership of us. So one day Jesus is coming and He's going to claim that we are His possession that He's personally been waiting for. And so don't grieve the Holy Spirit, he's saying in this verse, but when you do, and we do, and we will, don't forget you also have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when you sin, don't forget your salvation is secure. That's in essence what it's saying in one verse. Don't grieve the Spirit. And I say amen to that. If you guys grieve the Spirit... It's a miserable place to be, isn't it? And so I'll say to every one of you, don't sin. Sin is hard business. What's the proverb say? The way of the sinner is hard. When my kids were getting into junior high, into high school, I would at times tell them, life is hard enough. Life is complicated enough. Life hurts enough already without you compounding it with sin. It's going to be painful enough. Don't don't web a weave and it end up being the very layout that's going to catch you and let the spider eat you. Don't, don't, Don't be foolish and and pay the price of reaping what you've sown. But John 10, 28 makes it clear. I, I, for, I give them, Jesus saying, I give my sheep eternal life and they, what? Shall never perish. It's emphatic, guys. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Not things on earth, not things in the heavenlies, not things past, not things in the future. Not demonic forces, not angelic forces, nothing, not human forces, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. In John 5, 24, most surely I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and I shall not come, they shall not come into judgment. Do you hear this? But have passed from death to life. By believing, you emphatically have eternal life. You emphatically will never stand before God in judgment at that white throne judgment. In 1 John 5, 13, these things I've written to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may what? Know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This is the gospel we have, whoever believes in him. And then 
make disciples. As soon as they believe in him, you need to know, how do I walk with this guy into maturity into Christ? Let's start reading the Gospel of John and talking about it. Let's read through a Christian foundation book and discuss it. Help them to grow into becoming a disciple. So the Holy Spirit is the down payment. It is the security. It is the finished, complete work of salvation. Um, we will be in heaven in our new bodies. That is salvation. That is a fact. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is who? God. Who's, estab who's established us in Christ? Who's anointed us? Made us the chosen ones of God? God did. And in the same way, look at verse 22 who also has sealed us with the Holy Spirit in the hearts as a guarantee. All three persons of the Trinity are active in our salvation. It's the Father who called us and brought us to the Son. It's the Son who died and rose again. And now it's the Holy Spirit who enters our life. The Lord our God is one Lord, but yet in three persons, and all three persons are active in securing our salvation. This is what we studied in chapter 1 of Ephesians. Remember this in verse 13 and 14? Listen again with new ears now. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having believed. There it is. You believed. I believe Jesus loves me. I believe that God sent his son to die for me. I believe that there is a heaven to come and I believe I'm not ready for that. I need Jesus to be my savior. When that happened, when you believed, immediately you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit, look at verse 14, who is now the guarantee, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's us being out of this body in our new body in heaven to the praise of his glory. But notice, our struggle with sin does not undermine these promises of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 4 and 5, to an inheritance, what? Incorruptible. God, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. It can't be polluted. It can't be weakened. It can't be watered down. There's nothing that can be added to it that would corrupt it. There's nothing that can be taken away from it that would change it. It's undefilable. Notice, it's inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. I love that. I want to say that again. Who are kept by what? The power of God. The Holy Spirit is in us, guys. We are held. We are guaranteed. We, are, we have a down payment. We have the Holy Spirit who will never leave us or forsake us through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. First John 1, 2, 1 and 2. My little children, I write these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... <laughs> We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He himself is a reputation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. So notice here, by whom you were sealed for the day of what? Redemption. So we struggle with our flesh. 
We want to be out of this flesh. We want to quit grieving the Holy Spirit. We want to quit grieving ourselves. We want to quit grieving our family. We, we, we don't want to be anything but purely in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, full of love and forgiveness and kindness, not greed and lust and, and all this worldly nakedness. What does Paul say? Things I don't want to do, I do. Things I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am, I think I'm going to go commit suicide. He doesn't say that, does he? That's often in these last days we live in how people respond to the depression, to the grief of this world. The grief is causing me pain. It's causing me pain. It's causing me pain. I want the pain to end. I can't get it to end, no matter how rich or famous or or how many toys I get, or how many places I travel, I I just got to end this pain. I'm going to kill myself. That's the way the world deals with it. But not in Christ. In Christ, when our heart condemns us, it says in 1 John 4, that God's greater than our hearts. That we don't have to be only what our feelings feel. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so... What is the answer? Thanks be to Christ Jesus. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus and thank him for the righteousness that right now in this body, it's so temporary. Life's a vapor anyway. I don't have to kill myself. It's going to kill myself. My body's going to kill me in a very short time, even if it's 100 years. It's just a vapor of time. But Romans 8, 9 says this. It's so important that we get this. You are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. I've had Christians say from time to time, man, I've been, it's been horrible. I've been in the flesh all week. Impossible. I know it sounds like semantics, but it's essential to the, to the story here. You can never be in the flesh. Just like a child you adopt can never not be your child. It would would be like them saying, I'm an orphan. No, you're not. I've adopted you. We are never in the flesh. If you say that, we're insulting God. We're insulting the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He has not abandoned us. You're not in the flesh. You're not on your own. You're not struggling on your own. The moment you sin, God's Spirit is saying, I'm right here. Do you ever think about being grieved in the Spirit is a wonderful thing? It's an absolute sign. God lives in you, doesn't he? I, I can remember being back in high school and guys coming in and, and, and literally rejoicing and giving each other high fives on these freshman girls they seduced at a Friday night party and got them drunk and had sex with three different girls. And, and, and I just remember as a young Christian at that time just grieving, knowing some of these girls these guys took advantage of I don't know. I just, it just literally grossed me out. It just made me so sad. But yet they weren't sad about it. They, they, were, they were like, man, I hope I can get, I only got three girls this week. I'll get four next week. I, yeah, I, you know. They have no sorrow whatsoever ever over their sin. Sorrowing over our sin is a sign that God lives in us. So we struggle with the flesh, but we are never in the flesh. We are in the spirit. Do you, do you realize you're a spiritual being? And do you realize you right now 
are more in heaven than you are on earth. (laughs) God already sees us seated together with him in heavenly places. It's a done deal. When we are absent from this body, what are we? Present with the Lord. We're already sitting. We're going to go, whoa, I'm sitting in heavenly places. Yeah, I told you that. Ephesians 2 said you were already sitting here. The only reason you couldn't sit there is because you were in the body. We're not alone. We're in the spirit. We're in the heavenly places with them right now. So Romans 8 makes it clear in verse 15 and 16. For you do not, you are, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out what? Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is an evidence of the reality that the Holy Spirit is in us. Now, I just want to make a note that we don't always grieve as we should. We don't always sense it. I don't know why. Sometimes we sin and we feel really bad about it. Sometimes we don't. It's just a part of our human condition. Sometimes we can be so slightly rude and, oh, we're grieved. And other times you can be really rude and not even notice it. And then somebody points it out going, no, no big deal. No big deal. That was incredibly rude. That was incredibly hurtful. How can you say no big deal? It was a huge deal. It doesn't seem like it was to me. So we're fickle fickle people, aren't we? And and I'd also like to make a note that non-believers can also be grieved by the Holy Spirit. In, in John 16, 8, it says the Holy Spirit's convicting the world of sin because they do not believe in me. So non-believers can sense the grieving of the Spirit, not in them, but from the Holy Spirit and who's in the world convicting them. So I just want to make a point because I've had people say, you know, in the past I've sinned and I've grieved and I sense the Holy Spirit's grieving, but lately I've been sinning and I don't sense the grief in the same way I used to feel the grief. Yeah, you know what? We we walk in the reality of of the truth of God, not our feelings. Our feelings are so messed up for whatever reason. But I'll tell you something else. God does cause us to reap what we sow. He created the world to spank you, right? You see those crazy guys on skateboards on YouTube challenging gravity all the time. And they do a face plant in the cement and you're just going... Yeah, the cement just spanked you. And then there is the spanking of God. I mean, you you push the hand of God. He loves you. He will spank you. But for me, 99% of the time, it's just God's loving kindness and tender mercies that lead me to repentance. I'm struggling with sin, and God just blesses me. And then he blesses me more and blesses me more. And I'm just so broken under the weight of his goodness, of just going, God, I don't want to do anything that grieves you. And, uh, but God has all kinds of ways to, to get us there, and he will get us there. Well, verse 31 here. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. All the bitterness, that long-lasting resentment that leads us to simmer and the bitterness begins to produce 
and extreme wickedness. All wrath, it's like a dried weeds that are set on fire or like a pot that's been boiling, getting ready to boil over. All anger, it's a habitual wrath. It's a, it's a habit. It's a practiced thing where you have the need to get even with other people. All clamor, screaming, yelling, shouting. You're just sort of bent in that way. I, I, the other day, you guys, you guys know how the freeway goes when you're on the 22, getting on the 405? So I, I live off right off of Bolsa Chica, and so I got to get on the 22 for a half a minute, and then it gets me onto the 405, but that lane disappears. It looks like eventually there'll be a, a far right lane there, um, but right now, not. And so I, I'm trying to get over, and, and you know how the traffic people can be. Um, but there was a little opportunity for me to put my blinker on, and I had it on for a while, and I got over, and the guy behind me looked like he was maybe 30. He was just furious. And I just so wanted to stop the car and just go give that guy a hug. Everything in me, I'm serious. It's just going, brother, 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 brother. Oh, don't, don't be in that state. Because you see these 30 cars in front of you on the right lane? They've all got to get over. <laughs> and if you're mad at me, and I had an opening, you're, you're getting ready to have a conniption. Because that lane's disappearing right now. But there's people like that. I, I, I was like that when I was younger. I, you know, every time somebody got in front of me, I feel like they were personally insulting me. But now it's like people got to get over. That's just it. I mean, now I realize that. It's like, oh, okay. But he was screaming and yelling. and oh. Then there's all evil speaking, which is the word blasphema, to blaspheme. It's, it's to cause injury to somebody through your words. Truthful or not, your, your intent is to cause them harm. And then all malice. I want to injure people. I want people to be punished for not being in my world the way I want them in my world. And in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. As Jesus is kind towards you, mild, pleasant, benevolent, the opposite of being bitter. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't bitter at us? Well, Brian, I haven't forgot when you were 15. Oh, God, please. Because 16 was even worse. God's kind. He's benevolent. This is really, I think, the chief of all characters. I think the word love is just, in our English vocabulary, has lost all significance and meaning. It's interesting, on that love chapter, it begins like this. In 1 Corinthians 13, Verse four, it says, love suffers long and is kind. I think that's describing love. It's just a long lasting kindness, an unstoppable kindness. And then it says that love is not rude and does not behave. And it goes on and gives the list. I think we can almost just erase the word love from the Bible and just put a continuous kindness I actually don't care if anybody loves me anymore. Just continually kind will be, I'll feel loved by you. 
And, and, and you know, the, the whole point is when the person is not deserving of kindness, it's when you're giving that long kindness. It's like they're mad, but your kindness is breaking that madness down slowly, chipping away like on a big giant piece of ice. You're chipping, 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 chipping. Not to prove a point, not to be self-righteous. You just, you just genuinely are not affected saying, well, you're going to treat me that way, I'm going to treat you this way. It blows my mind. You see that where some guy didn't see another guy who's waiting for a parking place and another guy will pull in and then they're fighting over it. It's like, oh my goodness. Just be kind. Leave. Even if you had the right for that place, be kind. Walk away. Jesus was kind. This is the thing. With, with Jesus, we, we almost love him because we first got to like him. We really like him because he was so kind to the adulterous woman when nobody else was. Jesus was willing to to love on this woman at the well when no one would even want to talk to her in a very perverted city. We see Jesus, the guy comes through the roof and, and he's paralyzed and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. He knew his man's heart was greater paralyzed by his sin than his body. The prostitute that anointed his feet with his hair, he was kind to her. We see how kind he was to the crowd's demands. He never seemed to be irritated with them or pushing them away or shoving them away. We see he was kind to the poor and the physically afflicted. Even when it got into the late hours of the night, he ministered to them, exhausted, in the middle of the storm that was flooding the boat, he didn't wake up, even though he was drenched wet and the boat was filling up with water. He was so exhausted that we would have that kindness. And it would come from a tenderheartedness to one another, just like Jesus is tenderhearted, compassionate, sympathetic. He has pity upon us, forgiving one another, just as Jesus forgiven us. That, that word in the Greek just means freely to give, give, to freely deliver, to freely grant. That word forgiving one another, forgiving, it just frankly means to freely forgive. It doesn't matter what they're doing or how they're going to act in the past, present, or future. I'll forgive you. I forgive you of the past. I forgive you of the present. I already forgive you of the future. Our relationship's going to continue because I'm going to keep drowning you with kindness. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep forgiving you. I've already forgiven you for things you're going to do to me next week. My heart's already forgiven you. Isn't that the way Christ is towards us? Doesn't God forgive us completely? Then we must also give completely. Does God not never bring up the past against us? then we should never bring up the past against another. Has not God forgiven us graciously and not grudgingly? Then we also should forgive graciously. We all need to come to this place to say, God, I don't want to just fly under the radar. I don't want to just not be a sinner. 
But Lord, I want to be kind. Don't grieve the Spirit. But when you do, don't start doubting your salvation and doubting whether you're going to heaven and doubting whether you're righteous as Christ is righteous. Don't be ridiculous. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, be active. Don't say, my goal is not to be angry at anybody. Forget that goal. My goal is to love as Jesus loves, to forgive as Jesus lives. That's being a light unto the world. That's being a salt unto the earth, right? It's not grudgingly going, well, here, take the parking place, and I hope you hope there's a sinkhole, <laughs> you know. Not to graciously, kindly, lovingly, truly from a heart that is tenderhearted towards the, the mankind. I used to be that nasty human being as well. But God has done something showing me his love over and over again. Now I want to love in that same way. We don't have to walk by this same rule of human nastiness, human lustfulness, human anger. Christ's Holy Spirit is living in us. We can now forgive just as God is forgiving us on a regular basis. And with that forgiveness comes kindness, love, patience, right? Oh, next time we're going to be in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, that says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved you. So today we're walking in Christ as he forgives, but next time we're going to see a proactive to walk in love as God has loved us. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day. You are a wonderful father. You have loved us so perfectly and still love us perfectly. You loved us by giving us your only begotten son. You've loved us by uh, giving us such security, speaking love to us even in the midst of very foolish, sinful, hurtful ways. Lord, we come before you now and we just ask that you would bring us to that place to, to just come under that umbrella with you, Lord, and just let your spirit fill us up. To not have a goal to not grieve the spirit, but to have a goal to re live in the joy of the spirit, the purity of the spirit. To have clean hands and a pure heart and every day we can just walk into the world Walking in the spirit, being the light, being the salt, letting your love, the world see the love we have for one another and know that we are of you, Jesus, and we are your disciple. That we would show them the truth of a loving God in the midst of a very unloving world and they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. Lord, here we are. Once again, we're in need of a washing Wash us in the water of your word. We're in the midst of a healing. Heal us from this world and its sinful ways and our sinful ways. Lord, we come again needing a greater baptism of your love in our lives. Fill us up. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.